Hey folks, welcome to Unsung Unsung, where we are going to just basically talk about songs we think are unsung in and of their own right. Songs from artists that maybe we wouldn't pick an album by for whatever reason. This is a bite-sized replacement for everybody that's sick to the back teeth of us droning on for an hour or two times <laughs> one hour about a full album. Okay, so we'll keep these short and sweet and hone in on individual tunes that for some reason are overlooked or remarkable or maybe the only good thing some bunch of munters ever stumbled across by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this week we're talking uh, about yours, Chris. Yeah, we're doing the band Durin Durin. (laughs) Durin Durin. (laughs) Durin 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 Durin. We're doing Duran Duran and we're doing a song called Come Undone. Now, I didn't know a lot about Duran Duran when I was young, and they were sort of ubiquitous, yet at the same time, I, I couldn't, dis- they were indistinguishable for me from Spandau Ballet and Ultravox and any number of bands that were sort of hanging about in the background when I was a wee one. Um, and I wasn't really, if I'm honest, I wasn't really mad into them. I guess in, in hindsight, I've got more into Duran Duran for the kind of retro kitsch value, going to clubs, and the songs are kind of fun, and yeah, they have that 80s quality obviously in fact they're one of the iconic musical moments of the 80s I guess in, in some ways but I, I, I don't know they only really work for me with a slight tongue in cheek except I really quite like this song um, this came out when I was 12 yeah 12 12 years old 1993 and it's them sort of uh, graduating into like late 30 something had I can't. I read somewhere that it was referred to as their transition into adult contemporary. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Duran Duran started in '78, didn't they? And they were part of that new romantic movement with the bands I mentioned, and then other. They, uh, there was like a second British invasion in the states as well, which included like Billy Idol and Flock of Seagulls and the Human League. Was Tears for Fears as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tunes that obviously everybody knows them for are Girls in the Film, Hungry Like the Wolf, Save a Prayer, Rio. Wild Boys, Save a Prayer was re-released in the States about three years after the original release. Then they did the Bond theme for View to a Kill. And then there was like a big gap. There was like an eight-year gap and two original members uh, had left. Andy and Roger Taylor. By the way, this band, Andy Taylor, Roger Taylor, John Taylor, none of whom were related. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, and it's, it's Taylor spelled the same way as well, which is fantastic. Uh, obviously, the, the compliment fulfilled by Simon LeBon and uh, is it Mick Rhodes? Was that the guy's name, the keyboard player? Uh, but Andy and Roger uh, had left after Live Aid and a whole bunch of touring and they'd all got very aggro with each other. 
I think the bands felt like the moment had passed. Uh, they they did sort of bring in a couple of session players, and, uh, including a guy uh, called oh man, the names are brilliant. Warren Cucurullo, like his name is pronounced. Um, Cucurullo. Yeah, Cucurullo or Ruyo, I don't know. But he joined in guitar. He was actually from Frank Zappa's band, which yeah. was remarkable. Uh, and then a guy called Sterling Campbell came in as the drummer. Uh, and they eventually joined permanently, having been in there as sort of session workers. Uh, and then the band sort of got like a little bit of a second wind. And it, as I say, in 1993, they brought out this album, which was also much like their earlier album, just called Duran Duran. Uh, but this one became sort of known uh, unofficially as the wedding album because it was covered in wedding photos. I don't know why they brought out two eponymous albums. It's just stupid. But um, I think Corn have yeah. got four eponymous albums. So you know, like I said, that's stupid. Corn <laughs> <laughs> are twice as stupid as Duran Duran. That that tracks for me. Um, but you know, Niall Rogers played with Duran Duran very briefly. I thought you were going to say he played with Corn. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, around about this time, like ninety three is an interesting time. Eh? So. Uh, grunge had happened and things were sort of getting blown out the water and these guys were becoming old hat there was also a really big explosion of adult radio especially in the states like it was a massive market and you, even from the grunge side of things obviously REM got really big and then you had like Counting Crows and all those kind of like grunge light bands that came out and all your like Alanis Morissette's and Amy Mann's and all these people it was it's like a weird time and so these guys managed to kind of find themselves like a new market I, I got really curious by the way I looked up what was uh, what now album now that's what I call music album this would have been on and it was a now 25 uh, and here's some of its contemporaries f- f- from that that time tease me by Chickademus and Pliers mm-hmm Living on My Own by Freddie Mercury, a stone cold fucking killer tune. Uh, Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. Dreams by Gabrielle, or should I say, Dreams uh, can come through. What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Uh, and uh, an unsung favourite here, All That She Wants by Ace of Base. Oh, yes. <laughs> Nazi anthem. But it's kind of interesting to think about this song in that context. Um, I think one thing about this as well uh, is that it sort of came around the, what was that album? Um, Songs of Faith and Devotion by Depeche Mode. Yeah. That, that album came out the day before this single. Right, and I think that's kind of interesting in the sense that this sounds to me like Duran Duran trying to be Depeche Mode. I feel like it's got that attempt at something smoother and more soulful and darker and stuff, and I think it falls short, but as a song in its own right, it's not too bad. Interesting, that guy Cucurillo, or Cucurullo, Simon Le Bon heard him jamming this riff in a practice studio, right? But he'd originally written this riff to perform it with Gavin Rossdale of Bush, before Amazing. Gavin Rossdale was in Bush. Which is wild, absolutely Crazy. fucking wild. There's a nex- yeah, there's a nexus here somewhere. But Le Bon liked it. Uh, he wrote lyrics for it. I think he said it was like a wedding or a birthday present for his his wife. What's her name? Le Bon. Yeah, Yasmin. Yasmin Le Bon. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it became their tune really. Uh, they did a video for it, which is pretty fucking ghastly. That was done by a guy called Julian Temple, who you may know from a film called Earth Girls Are Easy, which is <laughs> a really odd. He also uh, did departure. like uh, like the Great Rock and Roll Swindle and like yeah, a he did a bunch other... of Sex Pistols and yeah. things. He mostly did music films like uh, rockumentaries, but yeah, but yeah, Earth, Earth Girls, Girls Are Easy. Easy, Jeff Goldblum and Jim Carrey in like some mad eighties. <laughs> early alien mad shit oh man and such an Davis odd film as well yeah, yeah totally yeah absolutely uh the bassist didn't actually play in this i think the, the bass was sequenced uh and the drums i think were sequenced i don't think the drums include a sample from a soul searchers tune called ashley's roach clip from 1974 So, and, and obviously this is kind of coming after that grunge splash, I mean Nirvana Cobain was still alive but grunge had kind of hit hard, 91, 92 94 was its peak year <laughs> in terms of that adult contemporary market as well, this was also the year that Sting brought out Fields of Gold, which I was just so into when I was 12 years old, uh, looking back <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on in me right? but, um, I mean Ordinary World from this from this album uh, had been a surprise hit for them, they didn't actually, I think they kind of had resigned themselves to to sort of diminishing returns and then suddenly Ordinary World connected and then this connected and almost sold as much as that as well. This was number one in Israel. It's the only country it got to number one in, but it did really well overall. Um... Just before I go into the tune itself as well, Dave, some other classic stuff that I think you might have uh, you might have in your record collection. Uh, then Bones by Alison Chains came out same time mm-hmm. as did Aska by Burzum. Oh, the classic <laughs> and, and, adult contemporary. Yeah, <laughs> and the, Jura- the Jurassic Park motion picture soundtrack. Uh, I've actually got that on three different formats. No, like three different types of. Vinyl. I've got the Jurassic Park uh, soundtrack. So yeah. Well, in that in that case, this may be of interest. I noticed in all music, the Jurassic Park motion picture soundtrack gets only sixty percent. And under that review, there is one comment that just says one hundred percent. Fuck you, all music. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> How dare they? So you, even back then, you were on the internet, Dave. Um, but yeah, I mean, this tune, the production is so nineties. I mean, it's really nineties, right down to the use of like, the female backing singers. I don't even remember when that was really. In vogue for, yep. for rock bands or kind of like rocky pop bands to start wheeling out like three part female singing uh, troops at, at the back of them. Uh, the bass and the guitar both have a, a really cure vibe to them. They've got loads of flange and kind of phaser sounds on them. Uh, the delay in the vocal in this song actually, I think, is a big part of the hook. It really, because yeah. the song kind of trundles quite a lot. The, the tempo's really quite slow. And I think if you saw the tempo, you'd probably be thinking it's not really a candidate for a single. But the delay really plays with that quite well. Um, it's, got a, it's got a really well-considered pre-chorus in it, that uh, we'll try to stay blind bit. But it's got this really good chord progression that sort of like creates some anticipation.
the uh, the falsetto I think that goes into the chorus works really well and it almost feels by the end when he goes into the last chorus and he holds the, the word undone that final time but he holds it up Kind of feels like the whole song's sort of been building up to that. Like we all knew it was coming, and that was a sort of money shot at the end. Um, but it's weird as a structure as well. It's four minutes twenty two long, but it's only really got two verses and two choruses. It doesn't doesn't go into a bridge really. Well, you know, it's got some sort of instrumentation in the middle, but it, it's not a particularly conventional structure. And I think I can see how they were surprised by it being picked up on because it doesn't smack of a song that was specifically written to to break the charts. Um, as I said, I do think it wears its Depeche Mode wannabe status on its sleeve. I think Dave Gann's vocals are what he's going for, as far as I can tell. Anyway, I mean, maybe you guys disagree, Mark. You're a you're a Depeche Mode fan. Do you not hear that? I do hear that. Yeah, um, this song has a lot of what I coined on the Big Country episode as Big Dad Energy, and we're going to get to some serious Big Dad Energy very fucking soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I like the nineties the nineties of this song. It does feel a bit aged now. The pre-chorus actually is funny you mentioned that, Chris, because I thought it reminded me of Take That. It's like how of the time. Oh, <laughs> I think absolutely. It, it does. It, it totally I, does. I, I can see how much Gary Barlow wants to be Duran Duran. Like, late, <laughs> you know, f- later on, Take That is just totally stealing this. But then I guess they were contemporaries here. I never, I actually, I had no idea that Duran Duran were still going into the 90s. I was going to give this props for sounding so modern be- for, yeah. you know, for being <laughs> from the mid 80s. And then I was like, yeah. oh, fucking hell, it was released in 1993. Oh, well, it sounds exactly from when it's from then. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, the reverb and the delay in the vocals is, is lovely. And it is, it is a, a big part of the hook for this song. The chorus is cool, it's kind of soaring. It's got a really cool jazzy bass line as well, which pops out the mix. And I, I like the way the guitar kind of pings around either channel. In fact, I like the guitar tones in this, like, all the way through. And there's a lot of weird yeah. blips and stuff on the keyboards, like almost like raindrops or water or something, which is a kind of a cool little vibe. Nice little melody gives it. The whole song's got a really nice nighttime driving kind of mood. And a bit trip-hoppy as yeah. well. Yeah, I, I would agree, but I think that that's sort of part of the 90s-ness of it, man. Yeah. yeah, I'm totally into that 90s vibe. I quite like that. Well produced. We're buying one compact disc a week uh, and we're going to watch Midsummer Murders vibe. But yeah, the, the thing that I noticed, definitely that Cure guitar um, enjoyed. To me, I think the female vocal totally makes it. It's like, that's the hook for me. That's the thing that sells it. Um, yeah. Because it just makes it totally stand out and it kind of adds a bit of emotional energy to it, to an otherwise, you know, AOR sort of thing that is very pleasant, but that female vocal just adds a bit of vitality to it. Yeah, um, it's interesting that they, they sort of seeded one of the main hooks of the song to a backup singer. Do you know what yeah. I mean? They didn't try. It's, you know, it's one of those things you usually fight over, like, I want the hook, but... Yeah, that's all right. But it works because yeah. it's like it's quite subtle and it's not they're not putting that right out there. They're just throwing it away and that makes you want to kind of go in and listen again. There you go. The the underacknowledged Duran Duran later period, their adult contemporary face. <laughs> it turns out they've never actually split up, they've just kept going. 
That's fucking yeah, mental. They played their biggest ever world tour when this album came out. So forget their like hits earlier on. They played. They were out in the road for months, playing all over the Middle East, the Far East, everything with this album. It was really odd that this was their biggest moment. Yeah, fair play. Yeah. Oh well, I'll I'll, like, I'll, I'll be adding it choice. to my uh, deep lavender bath playlist. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a bath salts tune in it, along yeah, with totally. M people and uh, seven seconds Enya. by Nina Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take that as a compliment Thanks <laughs> uh, Alright well thanks for that Chris Welcome uh, uh, Catch you guys next time Alright uh, bye Unsong Cheers What if you could have a career Where the opportunities are as vast as our nation Where it's not about mission statements But a shared mission At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.